0: Okay, I'm Chris Avina with American Outdoor News, and today we're speaking to Chris Stone from National Association of Gun Rights, a fantastic advocacy group. Chris, thanks for taking the time to speak with us today.
2: Absolutely. Appreciate being on the podcast.
0: Well, we have a lot to talk about. There's a lot going on with the Second Amendment, uh, a lot of new bills being presented, and um, the fight is on.
2: Yeah, the, the fight is on and, and, you know, thankfully, we've seen a great uh, response from uh, law-abiding Second Amendment activists here in the country. People are, are realizing uh, the threat that our gun rights are under right now. Um, and so people are joining the fight. We've, we've seen a lot of first-time, uh, a lot of new uh, gun owners uh, join our organization and like-minded organizations as well. Um, and people are realizing that there is a very real active threat um, in in Washington DC and state legislatures of of legislators actively trying to take your gun rights away. Um, So we are thrilled to obviously work on this issue to to, to not only defend the second amendment uh, for law abiding Americans to to restore that right, to restore the gun rights that have been taken from us um, and, and bring people into that fight and help them understand why this is such a critical issue uh, for Americans to be involved with.
0: Well, I, I definitely have to agree with that, but the threat is not just legislatively. Um, you know, we're seeing the threats of, you know, naturally the pandemic, mm-hmm. uh, the um, the flood coming across the border, the uh, riots. I mean, we're looking at nine months of riots in Portland alone.
2: And- yeah, and, and interestingly enough, that's one of uh, the things we've seen that have brought uh, new gun owners into the community, uh, looking and seeing their cities and their towns uh, being overtaken by, by you know, what the left wants to call protesters, but are really violent rioters. And they realize that these people are marching in their neighborhoods, uh, you know, with weapons and Molotov cocktails, and they're standing there realizing uh, the cops can't make it to them. So they're their own self-defense. And then they look and they realize they don't own a firearm uh, and, and that they want a firearm for self-defense, lawful self-defense, of course. Um, and so there is a lot, of, a lot of things going on that are bringing people into the fold. And so, you know, that's why as an organization and, and also us just working with, with people who've been longtime firearms owners, longtime activists to help bring more people into this fight to realize why it is so important to defend the second amendment uh, here in the United States, because if we just ignore it, if we think, Oh, you know, they're not going to take our gun rights away, you know, it's it's kind of death by a thousand cuts. They pass a bill here, they pass a bill there. And then one day you wake up and you realize, you know, you have to pay $2,000 to own a gun and register it. And you can't own certain types of guns and there's different ordinances everywhere. And the threshold to become a firearms owner is just non-existent. You can't do it. Um, so that's why we take advocacy so seriously uh, to make sure people understand what's going on.
0: Well, let's let's take a step back and tell me a little bit about National Association for Gun Rights. What is your mantra? Why, why do you exist?
2: Absolutely. So the National Association for Gun Rights, we are a, a 501c4 nonprofit and we consider ourselves no compromise when it comes to the Second Amendment. Our, our purpose uh, as an organization is both to defend the second amendment, but also restore the rights that have been lost. So our, our headquarters is here in the state of Colorado, where obviously there's a, a lot of gun control that's been passed. So we have a, a state chapter here, Rocky Mountain Gun Owners, that works very hard. But we also have an office in Washington, D.C. Uh, we have lobbyists who work on Capitol Hill. I used to live in Washington, D.C. myself as a firearms lobbyist. And we have a very large field team that works in state legislatures all across the country, mostly working on the passage of constitutional carry, but also uh, getting people involved uh, to understand what's going on. And fundamentally our power comes from our four and a half million members. Uh, Grassroots activists are the folks that help lobby legislators to tell them either, hey, don't vote for this gun control bill. We're watching what you're doing mm-hmm. or the reverse. Hey, there's a great bill here that will restore our rights. Uh, I want you to vote for this. I'm a voter. I live in your district. I know who you are. And so that's, that's what we're about as an organization is not compromising, not taking half measures, showing and really reminding people that, you know, the left wants to say, oh, there's no gun control in, in the United States, which is obviously patently false. I mean, you can go back nearly a hundred years the National Firearms Act of 1934, the Gun Control Act of 1968, the Hughes Amendment in 19 or excuse me 1984, the Brady Law in 1993, the um, Assault Weapons Ban, which obviously sunset in 2004, and the NICS Expansion Act in 2007. I mean, they've been passing so much gun control over the last 100 years. You know, as an organization, we were looking around and realizing we have to stop this, and so. Um, that's what we do. And we're proud to do that work. Uh, we've been very successful at, uh, at the state level, especially constitutional carry is a big a big issue for us at the state level. Uh, we helped pass constitutional carry in Montana and Utah this year, as well as in Iowa. Um, and then at the federal level, it's Unfortunately, mostly playing defense. There's not a whole lot to do to pass pro-gun bills. Obviously, we do work with, with pro-gun legislators to introduce pro-gun legislation and, and try and move the ball forward as much as we can. Uh, but it's mostly playing defense. I mean, that's exactly what we did uh, in 2013 during the uh, Toomey-Mansion fight. Most, some people might realize that during uh, President Obama's second term after the tragedy at Sandy Hook. They wanted to pass a ton of gun control. Uh, and it was our members who were who were pouring in phone calls and petitions and emails, uh, personal visits to Capitol Hill, uh, telling uh, telling their legislators, "You can't vote for this. This is a this is the destruction of our gun rights." So that's really kind of I know that was a long explanation, but that's really what we're about as an organization.
0: Well, you know, since the beginning of the year, um, I know as of August there were five million new first-time gun owners and that's a tremendous amount of people
2: absolutely now
0: now, they obviously see the urgency uh because of our environment what's going on can they protect their family will they be able to protect their family if somebody tries to take away their gun rights now with um in the beginning of the year they presented uh hr 127 which would have been such sweeping legislation covering uh, national registry, psychological evaluations, um, no no knock warrants, no warrants where F, uh, uh, ATF can walk into your house without a warrant, without probable cause because of the red flag laws. They could come in and seize your weapons, no questions asked, which basically would have forfeited your Fourth Amendment right.
2: Absolutely. And, and, you know, there's a lot there to unpack. Um, A lot of what we've done at the state and federal level is um, resisting what we call red flag gun confiscation. Exactly what you're alluding to this. Yes. uh, Essentially, this forfeiting of your Fourth Amendment rights. Uh, And we see how dangerous and destructive these bills are. And for anyone listening, you may not understand red flag gun confiscation laws at the state level basically say, Anyone uh, who has a basically a, a some, somewhat of a relationship with you, maybe it's a, a former spouse, a roommate, a parent, a sibling, can neighbor. basically go to the court without you knowing, file a petition without any evidence and say, hey, you know, John Doe over here, he's actually a crazy person. He owns guns and I don't like him. You should go take those guns. Well, you can imagine in a state. Uh, especially a a more liberal state that doesn't respect gun rights very much, Uh, that judge can then turn around, grant that uh, petition, and the cops literally show up at your door without you knowing. You've never been notified. you got no petition. There's no warrant. And they say, hey, we're here to take your guns. And by the way, if you want to get them back, you have to pay thousands of dollars. You have to hire an attorney and you have to prove your innocence. I mean, it's flipping that on its head, right? In America, you're supposed to be innocent until proven guilty. And red flag laws flip those uh, on its head. And, and just fundamentally, they're dangerous because it puts law enforcement in such a dangerous position where they're, where they're showing up. I mean, we saw that happen in Maryland uh, where there was a red flag order issued against a man. He had no idea. Uh, the police showed up in January. You know, it's dark. It was like, I think it was four or five in the morning. Yeah. He hears pounding on his door. So what does he do? You know, he grabs a firearm. There's confusion. He got shot. He, he lost his life um so bills like h.r 127 i mean it's just it's the typical leftist uh agenda they take every single anti-gun measure they can think of and they pour it into one bill and then from there they use that bill as basically a prototype to do other smaller pieces of legislation and -hmm. then they kind of pass those so again it's that process of death by a thousand cuts and so a lot of what we do here is, is monitoring that legislation, our, our full-time staff in Washington DC work on obviously reading the bills, talking to program members of Congress, and then distilling that information in an understandable manner, and then letting our members know saying, hey, here's a bill that was introduced, here's what it does. This is why we need to, you to call your member of Congress or send this petition in. And, and we really do send those petitions. You know, I know a lot of people think, oh, what do you do when you're emailing me? Well. We, we literally, 20 feet away from you right now, we have a team of about 10 people sorting through tens of thousands of petitions, organizing them, because we're going to mail them off. And we do deliver those, and, and they work. Uh, when when I've walked into many legislators' offices and state legislatures and dropped a stack of 5,000 petitions off, and you should see their eyes light up when you say, hey, these people live in your district. We told them what you're supporting um, you may want to know about it because they're also registered voters. And so it's a very powerful tool to help uh, the grassroots get involved in lobbying against anti-gun bills.
0: They're thinking about their own best interests. They're not look, uh, thinking about yours. And now, you know, getting on to the legislation in front of us, uh, HRA, um, National Gun Registry. How do we talk yeah, about well- it? National Gun Registry?
2: Yep. Yeah. Well, of course, they always just want to call it, you know, background checks. You know, it's here to to keep you safe. Well, it is a gun registry because the reality is national, federalized, universal background checks don't work unless there's a registry in place. Mm -hmm. And so they want to pass this bill to essentially take all firearms transactions, basically all firearms transactions and say, you can't exercise your Second Amendment right. You can't sell property without the government knowing, without us recording on a form, you know, 4473, without paying a fee to the government. You can't exercise your right to keep and bear arms. Well, of course, you know, we read the Second Amendment says shall not be infringed. And what is this other than a massive infringement? I mean, literally under HR8, if it's passed in the law, and it, it did pass out of the United States House of Representatives. It's currently awaiting a vote in the United States Senate. They've, they've held some hearings on it. Yeah. Um, it's basically saying, you know, your neighbor that you've known for 20 years, uh, the person that you go to church with or that's, you know, you go golfing with, um, that you know. Personally, if you sell a firearm to them or you buy a firearm from them and the federal government doesn't know about it and it's not recorded, you now are a criminal. You've violated the law. And and this is an egregious violation of of our right to keep and bear arms. Um, and, and, And the sad part is when we look at these horrific things like mass shootings that happen, all of these individuals have passed background checks. They don't work. They're fundamentally, the system is fundamentally flawed. Um, And all it does is hamper law-abiding citizens' ability to defend themselves. And so, you know, this is just one angle of attack that they're going to be using to restrict your ability to defend yourself.
0: Yes. Now, I know they were floating um, psychological background checks, uh, evaluations uh, to go along with uh, the background checks. Uh, yeah. which I think that was what, 1446, H.R. 1446, the background, expand the background checks.
2: Yeah. So H.R. 1446 is basically gives the federal government the ability to just arbitrarily delay a background checks. So if you yeah. go in to purchase a firearm, uh, the government can basically just say, yeah, well, we're going to delay this. And, you know, from our perspective, a right delayed is a right denied. I mean, if you think about it, if if you know that, um, like you, we were talking about earlier, there's a protest or a riot in your town and you need to protect yourself. And you go to the gun store, you're a law-abiding citizen. Maybe you're a single mom uh, who, who's, who's afraid for her kids. And you go to the store and they say, nah, we'll process this background check. I don't know, maybe four days, five days, six days from now, who knows? It'll be fine. Well, it's not fine for you when you need the, the protection immediately. Sure. Um, and as far as psychological background checks, I mean, you know, think about this do you want the government deciding who, uh, what the standards are for what makes you psychologically impaired? I mean, well, don't be so, wrong.
0: That's so subjective. Yeah,
2: it's, it's completely subjective. You're talking about government bureaucrats um, without the court of law being involved, deciding whether or not you can own a firearm. Now, obviously we understand if there's a person who's legitimately criminally insane and has been proven guilty in the court of law, okay, that's, that's a different issue. But some bureaucrat at an agency in the D.C. swamp saying, well, you uh, you posted something on Facebook about supporting a, a certain politician. You're crazy. You can't own a gun. That That's what we're talking about when, when they want to sponsor this legislation. It's not about stopping actual criminally insane people. It's about it's about persecution of essentially conservatives and people who consider themselves. Pro- when gun. you
0: look at um, the shooting in Atlanta. There's. Nothing in H.R. 8 or 1446 that would have detected that this kid was going to go out and shoot people. He had no psychological history. He had no criminal history, no drug arrests. No, the kid was clean. The kid was squeaky clean. Anything that they put through wouldn't have detected that this kid was going to go out and shoot somebody.
2: Absolutely. And, and, you know, the reality, the, the flip side of that is when we look at states which have passed laws like constitutional carry, which say if you're a law-abiding citizen and you can legally possess a firearm, you should be able to carry that firearm openly or concealed without having to pay a tax mm-hmm. to the government. The reality is, and of course this is always buried in the national media, there are stories all the time of normal citizens carrying firearms and defending themselves, stopping mass shootings. But again, it doesn't, it never gets any media traction because the mass shooting doesn't occur. You know, there's a crazy person that shows up somewhere with a knife, a gun, a bomb or a car. And then there's a law abiding citizen there who stops them and half the time they don't even have to discharge their weapon um, and it stops crime. So you're exactly right. These laws, all they do is hamper the ability for normal individuals to protect themselves and crazy deranged terrorists um you know they'll get their weapons other ways i mean the department of justice did a study where they interviewed um people who were in prison who had committed crimes with weapons they said you know how'd you get your guns how'd you get your weapon they're like oh we bought it illegally it was a straw purchase we stole it so you know they're admitting that all the laws you want to pass they're not going to stop us uh the reality is some of these really sick deranged people who, who commit mass shootings they've planned these things six, 12 months in advance. So, you know, a five-day waiting period, mandatory registration, a $200 fee, that isn't stopping them. That that almost just is is unfortunately encouraging them. It, it, It kind of almost eggs them on. But like we've been saying, the person who needs a gun now, To defend themselves the person who uh you know the single mom or the blue collar worker who who doesn't have infinite pto or tons of time off to pay a 500 or a thousand dollar registration fee it hurts that person
0: well that floats uh right into um the part of the legislation that they're asking for insurance uh well they're making it or they would like to make it financially unfeasible for the average American to pay insurance on three, four, five, eight, ten guns, however many you own. The Second Amendment doesn't say you can't own X amount of guns. It just says you could own guns. Uh, By mandating that we have to have insurance on each one of those guns, it makes it financially impossible for a good portion of uh, the American public to own a gun. Not to mention that mandating insurance is backdoor registration. Absolutely. If you have insurance, well, they must have a gun. That's not rocket science. (laughs) It's common sense.
2: No, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. And the sad irony is, you know, leftists and people who are generally anti-gun, you know, they love to go on the news and talk about how they're for the working class, how they're for the common American. Yet, exactly what you're saying, they want to pass a bill that says – Oh yeah, we don't really care what the Second Amendment says. Um, you need to pay this insurance, which, like you said, is is backdoor firearms registration, and it's essentially a tax. It's a tax on the normal individual. Sure, yeah. the you know the the people who live in gated communities who make four or five hundred thousand dollars a year paying a 500 or a thousand dollar tax may not be a big deal, but the average American, you know, who might have children who is saving up for uh, to, to to fix their car or go on vacation, you know, the threshold to to buy a quality firearm, you're already talking, you know, for a a quality handgun, maybe five or 600 bucks at a minimum ammo prices are, of course, sky high right now. And if the state is saying, Oh yeah, you have to insure it on top of that. I mean, that that's ridiculous. You're basically just pricing out, the normal folks who don't get to live in gated communities, who don't have private security guards. You know, we're the people who, we are our own security. Um, And it's a complete slap in the face to the overwhelming majority of people who live in this country.
0: Absolutely. Well, we're gonna take a quick break here um, and acknowledge some of our uh, sponsors uh, for our podcast. Underwood Ammo, always a standard of excellence. Amazing, uh, amazing company. Great ammo, if you're not familiar with them, take a look at them. I don't shoot anything else. Phonescope, uh, uh, another great company, uh, always innovative, always coming up with great ideas for, for the outdoors. Check out Phonescope and um, Hunt of a Lifetime. Uh, we're gonna see a, a brief uh, uh, commercial from them.
3: We love our children. We protect them, we guide them. We prepare them for life in the world. With all that we do, from deep in our hearts, we cannot control all things. Life-threatening illnesses and disabilities affect far too many of our children each year. While we cannot change the circumstance, we can make dreams come true. Dreams to provide hope, to provide spiritual healing and strength, to provide moments of happiness and relief in the hardest of times. We can give a glimmer of light and hope in a time of darkness and despair.
0: Okay, and we're back. <laughs> um, well, with all this legislation um, that the uh, Democrats are trying to push forth, and you know, hate to get Democrat Republican, his side, our side. The fact, simple fact, is um, we've been under attack for a long time about owning firearms, and it's our it's our right our forefathers saw this coming long in advance. Um, how they did it, I don't know, but I'm thankful for them. Um, they perceive us as, as, as weak. You know, the NRA uh, claimed bankruptcy and moved from New York to Texas. They see that as a weakness, um, but as I mentioned earlier, uh, it's not the NRA that is the strength of the Second Amendment. It's the NRA's base. It's you and me. Uh, it's your organizations like yours uh, and others that are our voice. And the left is always saying, you know, uh, there's a shooting. They come out right away, like, uh, like uh, Boulder uh, the other day. They use it as a political uh, uh, talking point. Uh, Second Amendment is not a political talking
2: point. It's Absolutely, about. I mean, it isn't a talking point, but that's what they thats what they wanna do, right? And they do it with all our rights, right? We can see how they wanna restrict free speech right now. We can see how they wanna restrict our right to privacy, uh, especially with red flag laws, our, our right to uh, be innocent until proven guilty in the court of law, but kind of what you were saying, the real power is in the individual, Um, and when we are working together as as gun owners for a common cause, we see the strength that it produces, I mean, great examples just from from this year here in 2021, passing constitutional carry in Utah and Montana, and in Montana for a long time uh, constitutional carry was passing through the state legislature but the governor who was a democrat was vetoing it well yeah. leading up into the elections back in 2020 we were uh, we have a political action committee uh, our political action committee was able to get involved and support someone who was running for governor who said they would support the second amendment and pro-gun laws we got our members involved in that said vote for this individual they will they are promising, they have. They had a record that they will support your right to keep and bear arms. And what happened? That individual got elected, our members got engaged with the legislative season, and within literally just a couple of weeks of their state legislature coming together, they passed constitutional carry because those members of the legislature were getting nonstop phone calls, emails, visits, petitions, and then our staff being on the ground there to help deliver and organize that, and they passed it. We did the same thing in Utah. And so, you know, for anyone watching who might be a new gun owner, who might have just bought a firearm in the last year, obviously we want to encourage everyone to get basic training on their firearm to learn how to operate safely, how to carry it safely, how to clean it, you know, obey the basic four rules of gun safety. And then also get involved and understand the assault that is happening on your gun rights. But to not just be down and out, but to look at how the victories we've won, the way we've advanced pro-gun legislation and the way that we together can stop gun control. You know, it is it is rough right now with Joe Biden being in the White House and anti-gun Democrats controlling uh, the United States House of Representatives and the U.S. Senate, but there are legislative tools that allow us to help us uh, block legislation. And we've done this before, like I said, Earlier in this, in this interview, we did it in 2013. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've, we've, we've done it uh, with stopping it back. I think it was in 2019. I might be wrong on that. There was an individual who was uh, nominated to be the director of the ATF who is outspoken about firearms. I mean, he was a complete gun controller. Uh, we got our members involved immediately. And with their petitions, with their emails, we actually had pro-gun members of the Senate Judiciary Committee reading our talking points and caught this guy completely flat-footed, had no idea it was coming, and they withdrew his nomination because they realized he was anti-gun. So grassroots activism really does work. I know it it can be discouraging to look at the news. It can be discouraging to see maybe the state of of politics in the United States of America. But we've won multiple times, and we can do it again uh, if if we work together.
0: Well, here's something that you mentioned is very important. Yeah, yeah the, the Democrats do have the House, they do have the Senate, they have the presidency. But a very important piece of the government uh, is the filibuster. Absolutely. And they know if w- the filibuster is still intact, uh, it's a dangerous piece of legislation that they won't be able to push through whatever they want. Uh, and they're trying to dismantle that.
2: Uh, yep, and, and for us, it's, uh, it's a key issue that we uh, on, on Capitol Hill work with legislators reminding them that they have to defend the filibuster. You know, obviously we don't want to get into the, the super wonkiness of, of all the rules of the Senate, but the Senate is a specific chamber. It was designed by our founding fathers, excuse me, it was designed by our founding fathers to slow down legislation, to be the chamber of debate. Um, it's, it's that reminder that America... Is not a democracy, we're a republic, we're a representative government, it isn't mob rule, the 51 percent rules, but that's what leftists want to do. They want to turn the senate into the house and just make everything simple majority, this is a democracy, mob rules, and we need to stop that because it hurts everyone's cause. Uh, the filibuster is an important tool that helps protect all of our rights, not just the second amendment.
0: Well the very people that were elected to defend our constitution and stand up for our rights Those are the ones that are trying to dismantle our Constitution and take away our rights. So every voice is important. Every action matters. And it's our responsibility as Americans to stand up and say, "Uh uh-uh, we didn't vote for you to do that. This is what we want. So we have to tell them what we want them to do. And that's our responsibility.
2: Absolutely. And that is the power, too, of making sure that uh, gun owners uh, link together what happens in the legislative season or during votes, and then what happens during election season. Right? That's what politicians politicians don't want you to know what's happening in Washington D.C. Yeah. They don't want you to know what's happening in the state legislature. All they want you to know is when they run for office again, they put out a fancy commercial, they send you fancy stuff in the mail saying, you know, I care about you. Please vote for me. And that's a lot of what we do is we remind people, hey. This is how this person voted while they, were, while they were supposed to be representing you. And now they want your vote again. It's your duty. And, and here's the information. We're going we're gonna to supply you with the information of how this person acted. Um, you know, we'll let you know if somebody truly is pro-gun. Are they, are they sponsoring pro-gun bills? Are they defending the Second Amendment? And if there's a bunch of people out there who you know, want to claim that they love your gun rights, yet they voted for numerous pieces of gun control, well, we're going to let you know that too so you can hold them accountable.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, me personally, I see the Democrats as losing ground uh, as far as gun legislation goes, because our voice is being heard. We are becoming more and more outspoken. And different podcasts, publications, organizations like yourself, we're making our voice heard. We're taking action. And they're not able to sustain the ground that they think they were able to get with. Uh, the House, the Senate, and the presidency.
2: Yeah, I mean, and, and just opportunities like this to be in a podcast like yours to reach this audience, it gets more people engaged. And that's uh, that's one of the great things about technology. If, if gun owners come together and we utilize things like podcasts, uh, email lists, websites, YouTube, obviously some of the big tech organizations aren't, aren't as friendly to our cause, but there are so many channels to get people involved Uh, And that we can make it easy. You know, that's that's part of what we want to do is we want to make it as easy as possible for individuals to get involved. You know, like I said, we send out an email. We say click to sign your petition it's really easy we don't give away your complete identifying information cuz obviously we're not going to turn that over to the government of course not. Uh, and we protect our lists we don't sell them uh, we don't we don't give them over to government agents or anything like that but we use that we generate petitions we generate emails we generate phone calls and we blast it out and we we do see the effect uh, the positive effect like you're talking about where grassroots gun owners come together to to lobby the government it's it's really awesome to see it's it's one of the most encouraging parts of my job when, when we can just see the power of normal people coming together, uh, to promote the second amendment.
0: Well, lastly, I'd like to uh, speak about, um, national reciprocity. Um, that's an important piece of legislation as well. Um, most background checks, as far as I know, are very similar in every state. So if, I'm passing a background check in New York. Why shouldn't I be able to come to Colorado and, and still possess my firearm to protect myself and my family?
2: Yeah, absolutely. We, I mean, the, the Second Amendment says shall not be infringed. So if you're a law-abiding citizen and you can own a firearm, you should be able to carry that firearm wherever you are in the United States of America. I mean, that, that is our opinion flat out. doesn't matter whether you live in California Colorado, Florida, Montana, Kentucky, if you can own and, and carry a firearm, you should be able to possess it no matter what state you're in. I mean, and, and that's the reality of, of the reason why we have a Bill of Rights is that it joins the states together. It says these are rights that are commonly held by all Americans. Um, and, and one of the most successful ways we we've seen that and we're trying to help implement that from the state to state level is passing laws like constitutional carry. Uh, Right now there's 18 states, or I think actually almost 19 because Iowa just passed constitutional carry. We're getting to the precipice now where more and more states are even saying, you don't even need a permit. Um, If you can legally buy a gun, you should be legally allowed to carry that firearm right yeah. and obviously if you commit a crime with it well then you should be held responsible um and so it's this rolling effect that the more and more we pass this bill it, it opens people's eyes it opens up the pressure on, on legislators on governors to look and see that hey this state has done it we can too uh states that have passed constitutional carry actually have the lowest crime rates you can look at the fbi crime stats if you look at fbi crime statistics states that have passed constitutional carry have the lowest violent crime rate in the country um because it's basically it it lets criminals know people here own and carry guns and you're not going to know who they are so if you go and try and commit a crime you might need a quick end
0: yep yep well i appreciate your time Thanks for uh, coming on our podcast. Um, Where can we find you?
2: Yeah, well, first of all, appreciate being on here. It's it's been a real pleasure. Um, There should be a banner up here behind me. Uh, Anyone wanting to know more about our organization can visit nationalgunrights.org. We also have a YouTube channel. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter, Instagram parlor Uh, we have a phone number that should be published on our website you can call us with any questions you might have Uh, we have people down there ready to to answer any questions you might have about legislation or uh, more specific work our organization is doing at the state level so we would love people to to join with us and uh, get involved in the fight so we appreciate the opportunity to be here on the podcast
0: well thanks again and you know if you're listening uh, subscribe to the podcast You'll be—it'll uh, be sent to your email automatically when we uh, when we come out with new podcasts as well. Thanks again,
3: and see you again soon. Absolutely, thank you. All right.